Hey folks, Ryan Kennedy here. Welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is going to be unpacking the topic of anxiety. This is a mental health challenge that impacts millions and millions of people. And in light of Mental Health Awareness Month being the month of May, I've invited Trish Barillas on the show since she has a deep understanding of anxiety and other life challenges that really directly impact our mental health. So you're going to want to tune in closely to today's show if you've ever suffered from bouts of anxiety or chronic anxiety, and if you're interested in learning ways to overcome it. Trish is a Latina life coach specializing in anxiety, breakups, and job advancements for well over a decade. She's the author of the first ever Insta book titled A Face of Anxiety, which is an autobiography of her journey living with anxiety and panic disorder. She's also the founder of 3G's Charity, which stands for Gifts and Goals for Guatemala, where she helps raise funds for rural villages in Guatemala, which we're going to dive into as well in today's show. Uh, so Trish is truly a, uh, she's a creator of positive change. And that's why I'm really grateful to be speaking with her today. So Trish, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'd like to kick things off by having you share your journey with working through this mental health challenge and in different times you've gotten, you know, anxiety has gotten the best of you in a public setting and how you navigate that experience. So my journey started probably my earliest recollection is around five. So I would have severe panic attacks and I just assumed that this was how everyone lived. I had bad separation anxiety, OCD tendencies, I had issues eating. I, my body would just shut down and I would freeze. So all through, you know, my younger uh, upbringing, high school, I just didn't know that I was different. I didn't know I had an illness. And back then that was, you know, free computers, Google, like we had card catalogs. So I would be like taking out books on psychology, but then I couldn't take it out. So I'd sit in a corner. So it was really tough because we, we, we didn't have this platform. We didn't talk about it. I do come from um, parents that are immigrants. So it, there was a language barrier between us to begin with. So it just, I had nowhere to go. And finally, one day when I was, I believe, I forgot what year in college, might've been my junior year, but we used to have these infomercials that would say like, do you suffer from? And then it lists all the categories. And it was three in the morning because as an anxiety sufferer, I have a hard time sleeping. And I woke up and I was like, oh my God, this is me. Whatever they're talking about, woke up my parents. And I, I was so excited to share with them. And then they yelled at me, threw me out. And then the next day we found a specialist. So that was where it came to. That's where I really figured out that I actually had anxiety disorder and there was a name to it. And publicly, it, it used to pop up a, a more often, I would say, when I was younger, but I was really good at hiding it. Now, as an adult, I'm just very honest. Um, and if I know I'm in a triggering situation, and the story that I'm about to tell is, is quite funny. So I was traveling to New Zealand. I live in New York. That is like a 38-hour traveling time span. The 13 hour leg in the airplane is the most triggering for me. And no matter what, I know to expect one of the worst panic attacks. However, what I didn't expect was that, uh, and I traveled by myself most of the time. And there was a guy next to me and I, I told him, I have anxiety disorder. I might go into a panic attack. Don't worry. 
I can manage it. I know what to do. Um, I'm just letting you know, since you're my partner, right? Like we had like these bucket seats and I wasn't able to get into my routine because he was talking to me, wanted to know more about anxiety. My book just came out. So it was within 15 minutes of taking off. And I started violently throwing up on this man. Oh, no. And he was so scared, but thank God I told him. Cause then he told the uh, airline attendants, no, no, no. She's just having a panic attack. They put me in the bathroom. This man was like putting ice on my neck. He, for 13 hours, he was scared and didn't sleep because he was afraid for me. And he happened to be a motivational speaker and he was speaking in Auckland and it was a 24 hour turnaround time for him. So I didn't give him the best, you know, setup, so to speak, but then he became my mentor. And then he'd been my mentor ever since. And that was like six years ago. Wow. So, so anxiety has given me some interesting intros to people. Um, and yet embarrassing. I, I now know how to deal with it because I'm just very transparent um, when I'm feeling triggered. That's a really fascinating story. And what a nice guy. I'm glad, you know, it's really cool. You, you forged a relationship with him after the fact. And so I want to kind of discuss first, you know, there's a lot of potential reasons for anxiety disorders, you know, both psychological and physiological. And I work with people with anxiety in my functional medicine practice. And, you know, I'm really curious to get your take on what are some of the common culprits that cause anxiety or panic attacks for people? So there's, it's such an interesting um, discussion because anxiety is like an umbrella, right? And there's so many buckets underneath it. So you can experience anxiety, you know, generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorder, OCD, tendencies, et cetera. And the culprit could be so many factors. And unless, you know, even if we took a neuroscience and opened up the brain, we still wouldn't be able to pinpoint, oh, here. You know, it started here, mm -hmm. whether it's genetically predisposed, whether it's trauma based, whether it can be drug related, there's never this true clarity of like the why, you know, I always focus on the how, how can we live and have a fulfilled life managing the things that we do know about our anxieties. So the culprit could really come down to chem, you know, your chemical makeup or your environment and what type of lifestyle you, you lead, which leads into what you put in your body as well. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, the etiology and, and a lot of health challenges people suffer from isn't always as important as what, what can we do to resolve it? You know, and, and typically it's a combination of a lot of those things you named. It's not just one thing that you can trace it back to. It's the accumulation of, you know, environmental triggers, nutrient deficiencies, psychological stress, emotional stress, different traumas, all the things that, you know, you rattled off, it's usually kind of, they all play a role, right? And yeah. so going into kind of some of the how, I'm really um, curious to hear your take on, you know, with your work, with your, you know, coaching clients, where you start, you know, if someone's listening to this and they're like, this is me, you know, Trish, I, I have these panic attacks, I have anxiety, it's, it's really unpleasant and I want to work through it. And I think a lot of people are aware that, you know, there's a lot of drawbacks to the conventional approach in the modern medical system with using benzodiazepines, which in my opinion, are just a very pernicious class of, of pharmaceuticals and can really lead to long-term issues. So I'm curious, long-winded question, 
you know, where do you start with people that have, that have this type of, uh, these type of issues? So I, I like to go back to basics, meaning how does it show up um, on your body? How does it show up in your thought process? So I go through a list of physical triggers and thought triggers because generally those who are more anxious don't dive into the parts of them that scare them, right? So we're fearful of the way that we think. Um, we're fearful of what's happening to our bodies. So usually people want to push that away and they want to just get through it or distract, right? So one of the uh, reasons during pandemic that anxiety got so high is that we, you know, pandemic stripped away distractions. So people were left battling their demons because all we had was time, you know, time to sit with ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I like to figure out what, a, what each individual person's anxiety looks like for them. Cause it's not going to go by textbook, right? Like we're going to have a little of this, some of that. So it's really breaking down, you know, what your personal physical triggers are and what your thought triggers are. And then to start to build out solutions. So instead of being problem focused, which a lot of people tend to do, right? They're stuck in the problem. We're trying to figure out what's the solution then. We know we're anxious or we know we're stressed. So then what's the solution? And the solution is not doing nothing, right? Because that just perpetuates the, the problem that you're experiencing and whatever you resist persists. So it's not just gonna go away either. So you have to be actively involved in your history of what, how does this affect me? What are the steps I can do to then alleviate it? And then seeing what your trend is. So for me, I know exactly the times that I'm gonna be triggered um, predominantly, sometimes they do pop out of nowhere, but generally I can navigate my life according to what I already know about me. And that's a lot of the work. And what steps do you suggest for people who are unsure what's triggering them? You know, I get a lot of people telling me like, Ryan, I get this feeling in my chest. I get this anxiety when I wake up in the morning or before bed. And I don't know why, you know, they're like, I, there's no single emotional stressor or work stressor or anything that they could pinpoint it to. And they just get this sensation you know, of, of anxiety and they feel anxious. Um, so what, what do you recommend for those people to really try and figure out what might be uh, contributing to that? So I always try to do the, you know, the backwards motion, meaning, okay, well, before you went to sleep, you know, what did we watch? What did we expose ourselves to? What did we eat? What did like, what were the motions before that? Mm -hmm. And listen, uh, panic has woken me out of the dead sleep. It has woken me in the morning. And with panic disorder, it's interesting because it can come, you know, from zero to a hundred real quick, and you won't be able to grab onto it. So there's going to be times what I tell my clients is we're going to try to win over anxiety nine out of 10 times, but we're not going to win 10 out of 10 because that would mean I could cure anxiety. Everybody would be super chill and I'd be a multi-billionaire. Like that's not what's going to, that's not reality. Right. So it's like managing those bad moments too. So when you wake up and you're feeling anxious or you're already in a panic, how are you reacting to that? You know, is your reaction feeding the anxiety? Um, are you able to sit with it and allow it to be with you? Like I always say, make friends with your anxiety. I know that that panic might come. I know that I'm going to be anxious on a plane, but it's not surprising. And I just say, all right, well, either it's going to come or it's not going to come, you know? So really starting to backtrack and start to figure out what happened before the occurrence 
And then how do you handle when it does just show up and it, it is very unknown? Your reaction will minimize the amount of time that your body is pumping out all that adrenaline. Because essentially panic attacks are just a big adrenaline dump. It's got nowhere to go. It dumps into your system and you either feed it or it retreats. That is great advice because I think that happens to a lot of us. You know, when you start to feel the initial onset of these symptoms, some panic, some anxiety, you get in your own head and you make it worse and you exacerbate the issue and it becomes this kind of self-propelling cycle. Um, but when you kind of plan for it and you have this system in place of knowing, okay, if I start to feel this way, this is okay. First, accepting it, not being you know totally thrown off by it. And then two, really kind of implementing some steps that you could take. So I know one thing I really recommend for a lot of people is just tapping into the power of the breath, you know, a whole bunch of different breath work modalities. I teach people everything from slow, calm, controlled nasal breathing to more, you know, intense forms of breath work. Uh, and then I want to hear your take on if you could just name a few of the top strategies you find work for you or work for your clients uh, for when people are in that situation and they say, okay, I'm getting this anxiety, I'm getting this panic. Let me resort to these practices. So what I've, what I've learned is that a lot of people don't know how to breathe properly when they're experiencing this type of anxiety. It's not the same as certain types of yoga, right? There's different breathing techniques for everything. Yep. So the way that you might breathe in Kundalini is going to be different than where you're breathing somewhere else. So with anxiety, what I've, what, what I've realized and learned has helped is really having the breath in and, and, and knowing how to expand your stomach on the inhale, right? And then holding. So I call it a 15 count to calm. To me, it doesn't really matter what the count is, right? As long as when you're breathing in, you're expanding your stomach and then you hold the breath so that the body, it almost becomes like a little bit of a brain shift, right? And your body's like, oh, okay. Like it's almost like, do I don't know if you watch Caesar Milan, um, he's a dog whisperer. Anyway, he, when he trains dogs, it's not the dogs, he's really training the people, but with dogs, when they get fixated on anything, squirrel, rabbit, blah, blah, of another dog, he takes his hand and he kind of jabs them, not, not, you know, in a harmful way. And it shifts their brain. So they're now not fixated on X and then they go about their business. We as humans need to do the same thing and breath work can help that shift happen. So I always equate it to Caesar Milan's little jab to the dogs. That's like a nice jab to our brain to be like, hey, go this way, right? So it's the inhale. And then on the exhale, your stomach will um, contract. So learning how to breathe when someone's in, a, in an anxious state, it would be the first step. And it's simple. A lot of times people are thinking that the, the tool for anxiety are these groundbreaking monumental, you know, things that we're hiding, but they're just, it's so simple. It really comes down to the basics of your body and of your anatomy and things that we forget. And when you're anxious, you know, everything gets stuck and you're short breathing and it happens to me all the time. And I have to literally say to myself, how are you breathing? Another thing is sometimes we need to uh, change direction, even visually when we're in an, an anxious state. So even taking a piece of paper, laying on the ground or on a couch and watching this, the paper rise and fall. Cause now you're telling your brain to do two things, watch your breathing and visually focus on something that is outside of yourself. 
when we're anxious, we're so internal and we're overanalyzing. So shifting that to an external force is going to be what I think is, is really, really beneficial and efficient when you're in the state. A few months ago, I gave a talk, um, you know, just all about health optimization to this, you know, community of individuals. And they asked me towards the end, if I could only give one piece of health advice, what would it be? You know, a lot of them thought I was going to say something around nutrition or sleep or exercise. And I, I told them, learn how to breathe properly, because you're right. So many of us don't know how to breathe. We're never taught how to breathe. We're taught all these things in school about math and science and all these things, but we're not how to taught, taught how to use the most fundamental, you know, human, uh, essentially, um, thing that we do is breathe. And most people think it's just automatic, but so many of us are shallow mouth breathers and it really is creating the environments for this type of anxiety. And when you slow down the breath, like you said, deep diaphragmatic breaths, I always teach people to double the length of exhale versus inhale. So going like a five second inhale through the nose into the belly, really expanding that diaphragm, hold at the top for a second or so. And then a slow 10 second exhale really helps to drop us back into that parasympathetic nervous system state and lower blood pressure, lower resting heart rate. And it doesn't take anything. Like you said, it's free. It's accessible to you 24 seven. It's not like you got to go out and buy some fancy biohacking gadget or any right. supplements or anything like that. Cause people do have that in their mind. They're like, I need this perfect superfood or herb or vitamin, or I need this, you know, gadget. Uh, it's like, no, you just need to learn how to use your body. And so I love that you shared that. Yeah. It's always, what I find interesting is it's the simple things that are always the hardest, you know, the, the, the basics, the simple yep. things that you tell people like this will work, like this can help you. And then it becomes difficult, right? When someone has to do it on their own or they have to keep themselves accountable or when they're in a state of panic, Oh God, what was that thing? Right. So I, another, um, tool that I use is, you know, the one, what's the one thing you're never leaving the house without your phone. Right. So in your phone, I always tell people, this is where we lift our physical triggers and thought triggers. And then in the phone, when you're in a rational state of mind, because when we're rational, we're good. You know, a lot of anxiety sufferers, they are smart. They are detailed oriented. They are usually like, you know, badass bosses, like and then they, they, their brain goes into irrational thinking and then everything else flies out the window. So if you have your solutions built into your phone, so that way, cause when you get hit with that adrenaline, you're flighty and you're grasping for air, you're, you're, you can't manage your thoughts. So I always say, go to your phone, go into your note section and go through your solutions and, and try and go through them one by one. Not all of them are gonna work all the time. But some of, you know, but the one that will, that's going to pull you back into your body because we're just, we're not grounded in that moment, you know? So it's really about how do we get back into our body? That is huge. And I tell people this all the time, it, the consistent and proper execution of the fundamentals is so rare when it comes to our health and our wellness and everyone's looking, they, they think it's going to be a complicated solution because it's almost like the mainstream has programmed us to think if it's simple and easy, it's not going to work. But it's right. quite the like contrary. They want it to be complicated. Yeah, so that right. they could sell you their special, you know, masterclass or ebook, whatever right. it is, you know, because there's not a lot of money in just saying, hey, do these different breathing modalities and it's going to help you tremendously. You're not selling anything. So it's, uh, you know, comes back to a lot of issues around, you know, the different special interests of, in our world today. But ultimately, 
that's really what people need to come back to is how can I really take back control of my body by performing these very basic functions that are going to completely recalibrate uh, so many systems, uh, both neurologically and also in the physical body. Um, so we talked about breath work. I liked your phone, uh, you know, analogy and tip there. Uh, what else do you, you know, is worth sharing with the audience as far as other tips or practices uh, if, you know, they're looking yeah. to alleviate this anxiety? Lifestyle. If you know that you're a non I'm sorry, if you know you're an anxious, a lot of people start or try to live a non-anxious lifestyle. I know because I, I pretended to do it too. I was like, oh, I'm fine. I can live in a non-anxious world, but I'm an anxious person. So if you're anxious, you know, you can't force yourself into this lifestyle that's not going to work for you. So if you're someone that is, that gets triggered by what you expose yourself to, regardless of what your friends or family or partners are watching, like for me, yes, I've never watched Game of Thrones, not one episode because it does something to me. I don't, it feels dark to me. So I can't watch it. I know that I'm going to be triggered. Therefore, it doesn't, it's not conducive to my lifestyle. Um, there's certain things that I know about how I am. If I'm going to a big dinner and I'm, and that might make me a little nervous, I eat before I go to a dinner. You know, if I know that the news, especially during pandemic was very triggering, I made my husband, my news source. And at three o'clock in the afternoon, I would tell him, what do I need to know? Right. Give me, give me the breakdown because that's, that was less scary for me. So a lot of times I hear people saying, well, I watched this thing and I shouldn't have watched it. Or I listened to the news and I shouldn't have listened to it. Or I'm following XYZ and Instagram and it doesn't make me feel good. If it doesn't make you feel good, just stop doing it. You know, you don't have to be, you know, a certain type of person that does this or watches that. Like, who cares, right? Like, we have to start living according to what is best for our mental health. And if you're an anxious person, don't try to be a non-anxious. It's like morning people and night people. If you're a morning person, you will probably never be a night person because that's not the way your body works. You're not optimized for that. I'm a night person. I'm never going to be a morning person. And I don't shame myself. I embrace it. And I'm like, this is who I am. And that is what my body likes. So we have to start living more according to our own mental health and really truly living that type of lifestyle. And I think that's where people really don't connect, right? Like they're almost going against the grain. 100%. You really have to identify what's serving you and what's not and eliminate what's not. And it sounds simple, but it's, it's not always as easy to identify as it, as you know, as it seems, because sometimes there's other addictions or other types of, you know, these things might be a vice or it might be benefiting them in some way, but also detrimental in other ways. So there's always a lot of gray area in that, but I like what you shared there. One thing that I found to be very helpful when I'm working with patients that have, uh, you know, high levels of stress and anxiety. One thing that I really integrate with their protocols to increase their body's resilience to, to this stress or anxiety are hormetic stressors, which are, you know, very acute ex exercises that uh, essentially are stressful to the body, but pro provide a net stress relief and increase your body's resilience to this stress. So a couple examples would be like cold exposure, heat exposure, like the sauna, exercise, sun exposure, uh, fasting modalities. Do you have any experience with these and using them with your, with your clients or these things that you recommend to people? Yeah. So when, cause what we really try to do 
um, is figure out a solution that people can do no matter where they are. So you're not always going to be home, right? Eventually we're going to be out about in the world. So if you're, let's say at a work meeting and you start to feel triggered and your body gets flushed because there's, you know, adrenaline pumping through, go to the bathroom, run the cold water, wait, wait until it's as cold as possible and then put your wrists under it. Right. And whilst you're doing that, then you do the breathing at the same time to, again, use that brain shift so that your brain starts thinking, oh, that's cold. Right. I'm going to focus on something else external than internal and take a minute. Like everyone can go to a bathroom. Right. There's never a time other than like takeoffs and planes that you cannot go to a bathroom. Right. So we have to start looking at our everyday life and see what we what we have access to. There's something that I like to call um, the power of V. So when, and you can do it in your chair, you can do it standing. I won't go through the whole thing, but essentially you put your arms over your head as a V and you're pumping your fists uh, quite, quite fast. So you're, what you want to do is you want to pull all the stress that you might be feeling up through your um, abdomen, shoulders, and out through your arms and you're flicking it away. But as you do the countdown, you start to pump your fists even faster and faster. Usually 25 seconds does the job and you're doing it and you're, you're focusing on it and your arms start to hurt a bit. So now again, there's that brain shift happening. And then you bring your, your hands um, to lay on your on the, on your thighs and you will feel the sensation. You start to feel your fingers tingle because we've now put that energy somewhere. You, we, took that adrenaline and we were trying to move it. Right. So trying to get things out of our system and it depends too, it depends what exactly you're experiencing. Cause sometimes if you're anxious and you take a hit class, it could make things worse. You know, I've made this mistake. So you always have to do an inventory, you know, check in with your body. How are you feeling? Ask your body, what do you need today? Like, what do you need? Do, are we going to stretch? Are we going to do a hit class? Are we going to do Peloton? Are we going to take a run? Like we have, we're not good as humans in checking in with ourselves ever, you know? And it's one of the things that I try to teach the most is what is your body trying to tell you? And what are you not paying attention to? Because we just don't listen. We're really bad at listening, you know? And <clears throat> again, it's because it's back to basics. People think it needs to be this mind blowing, you know, epiphany, but really we're just trying to tap in and say, Hey, how are you feeling today? What do you need? You know, and sometimes a higher level of, of movement or engagement will work for the adrenaline, or it could actually make it worse and make your heart rate faster. But again, these are, it's always going to be trial and error to see what's going to be compatible for you. I know that I cannot do berries. I learned that the hard way. But that's something that now I know my body doesn't like it. So I have to go something a little bit softer, right? So though everything, it, everything is a factor, but um, heat, uh, heat for me as with anxiety sufferers is a little bit different just because when we're feeling sensations, our body is so hot. So we're actually trying to cool the body down as opposed to rev it up. And a lot of times that's a trigger when, when people get too hot, like at night, if they're too hot, if they're outside in the heat and they're too hot, like that could very well, that's a very common trigger is that they get overheated. Good to know. 
What have you, do you have any experience using uh, Kava for yourself or for, for clients you work with? It's so funny. So I don't know the, the correct medical term for it, but me specifically, I have one of those um, opposite reactions to certain types of certain types of either drugs or supplements. So melatonin, which majority of, you know, the world is using is to create calmness, right? Peace, calm, people take it before you go to bed. It will give me a panic attack. I cannot take melatonin. Kava does the same thing. Um, for whatever reason, my body does not work well with it. And like Benadryl usually makes people sleep, right? They make it makes them tired. My reaction is it's as it's as if I drank, you know, three energy drinks and now I'm just off the wall. So it's, again, I think it's something that you have to be so um, specific and really observant about what works for you. And I always say, if you're going to take anything, take it on a weekend, anxiety sufferers are scared to take everything. They will have it in their cabinet for months. They're scared. Is it going to give me panic? Is it going to give me this? So it's really like you need to go so slow step-by-step and really just trust your body. And if it gives you a certain reaction, then don't take it anymore. Yeah. We're all biologically unique. So it's important to know that nothing works for everyone. And so like you said, just it's about trial and error, seeing what works for you. But the reason I brought up Kava, I've had a lot of success with, with people and helping with their anxiety, just because of the way it can help to recalibrate the GABA receptors and I just, it's top of mind because I just interviewed a, a Kava expert on the show, uh, Cameron George, who got off benzos and really healed a whole bunch of uh, his anxiety issues using that plant medicine. And so I was just curious if it's something you've integrated with your coaching clients, but it sounds like it does not serve you uh, it personally. It serve me. For my clients, um, L-theanine, mm-hmm. you know, having some support to the central nervous system, um, ashwagandha, I haven't heard any, uh, you know, side effects with ashwagandha. So that's really mild with, uh, you know, with clients, I try to go as gentle as possible and we start really small and we start to build. Right. And then even if it is Kava, if it's, um, CBD, I'm a huge CBD, um, uh, advocate. I've been using, uh, Ned for four years now. And so it's just, you know, building out, I call it an anxiety toolkit. So whatever we can put in that toolkit, um, and sometimes it's like your adrenals and it's, you know, checking in with uh, going to acupuncture. I love acupuncture for anxiety. It is, I mean, I can't wait until I can be back in, in sessions, but that I, acupuncture I found when I was 19 years old. So I've been doing it, geez, well, well over 16 years ish. But so again, it's like, you're just going to figure out what works for your body and then, um, and not be scared, right? Like we're just so scared to figure out what the next thing is. Yep. I'm a big fan of acupuncture myself. It is extremely relaxing. Um, so I'd like to switch gears to the topic of breakups, something I know you work with people on and, one of the gentlemen in my men's health optimization community shared with me just yesterday how he's going through a really tough breakup. And I know this is a, a big challenge for a lot of people uh, over this past year. And so what advice do you have for people, just kind of general 
you know, recommendations. I'm sure it varies case by case, but some general tips for people who are having a tough time processing and, and getting through a rough breakup. Well, the hardest part is acceptance, right? Um, a lot of people hold on to the hope, right? Like, oh, I hope they realize that their life is better with me in it. I hope that when they are financially sound, then we'll get back together. So there's a lot, there's a lot around hope that keeps us a little bit stuck in the way that we see our current reality. And again, it actually comes down to listening. You know, people will tell you what has transpired. They'll tell you what's happening at the moment. And if they're saying, this isn't working for me, it's not that there's this other, you know, these other forces and people are dying to figure out like the one thing. Well, what was the thing I did? Like, I need to know what I did. And it never boils down to that. Like when you fall in love with someone, it's, you can't really pinpoint, you know, all of the things it's like, generally it's an, it's an overall feeling of like, I just love this person. So in a breakup, it's a general feeling of, I can't be with this person. You know, it's hard to drill it down. So my suggestion is always to go back and see what we may have missed, right? What are the things that, 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 that person has said to us? that we're just not listening to, you know? And at what phase are you in? You know, a lot of times people don't wanna go to acceptance or they wanna replay the story because it it means that it's still going, right? So they don't actually have to accept because once we accept, then it's over. And that's a horrible feeling. So I always ask them, what can we learn about this relationship? And not what can we learn about the other person? Because that's what everybody wants to do. Well, I think they are, they're narcissistic. And I think that they're just going through this. And I think, I don't care what's happening to the other person. I want to know what's happening with you. You know, mm-hmm. where, where did we go? Like, what have we learned about ourselves? How can we then move forward, taking some knowledge, not repeating patterns and learning to heal in a healthy way? right? Like, what is your reaction to this? And how are you feeding the story? You know, what's the narrative? Because a lot of times it's not always the truth. So we have to stick to the truth of the situation. So again, and I'll give another tip, comes back to the phone. I always say, let's break down the facts. What do we know to be facts of the breakup? Well, they don't live here. They don't want kids. They don't want to get married. They're whatever it is. But if it's a fact, then we put it into our phone and we say, these are the facts. This is why the relationship didn't work. Fact, 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 fact. So when you're feeling these, you know, ideas or, well, what if this just happened? What if, what if I change myself? Then I say, pick up the phone. What are the facts? Let's bring it back. You know, so we want to bring it back to reality so that you're not creating a story to perpetuate your hope. That's what we don't want to do. And we're so good at creating stories. I oh, mean, it, man. Yeah. I mean, all of it lives in stories, right? Anxiety lives kind of in BS. None of it's real. Mm-hmm. None of it's based in anything factual. Like feelings aren't facts. Um, they're, it's a feeling. It comes and it goes, right? But we grab onto it and we're like, no, this is true. This is, what, this is what happens. Let me tell you. But that's actually not true. So we have a hard time you know, keeping that straight in our head, which is why it's so healthy to talk to people yeah. because they can then reel you back in and then they keep you grounded. And then 
then you'll have a healthier time processing. Absolutely. And sometimes you need that outside perspective because when you're on the inside, it's hard to see these blind spots and these other variables at play because sometimes we don't want to see them. And sometimes it's just, we're in a situation where it's, it's difficult to look past those things for, you know, many of the reasons you mentioned. So thank you for sharing, sharing all that. I think that's really valuable for people to hear. Um, I want to kind of close out the interview today, hearing more about your charity goals and uh, gifts and goals for Guatemala. So can you share more about the mission uh, behind this endeavor and how people can support the cause? So uh, the mission is really to help women and children. So in Guatemala, about mm, a third of the population live in extreme poverty. And I mean, dirt floors, um, steel roofs, no electricity, no real one running water. And I'm a hundred percent Guatemalan. My parents are Guatemalan. They came to this country or my mom did when she was 18 and a family took them in and basically gave them an opportunity of a lifetime. And then my sister and I were, were raised with this Jewish family in, you know, one of the wealthiest areas in Long Island and whatever their kids did, we did. And if they went to the country club, we went to the country club. If they were, you know, taking dance and violin, we would take it. So our world was blown open because a family did something for my parents that they weren't able to provide us. So, um, and the, the father, uh, Sidney Khan, he had passed away many years ago, but I always said as, even as a young girl, when I can, I want to pay it forward, right? Like, because someone did this for me and I wouldn't be where I am today, I need to do something for my country. So a couple, when I got out of corporate and had time, I finally was like, I'm going to, I'm going to build, I'm going to do this charity. I didn't realize how hard it was going to be. Uh, Cause I did everything by myself, you know, the IRS. Uh, and so either way it got, it took eight months to finally get all the paperwork, but then um, it became a, a, a kind of like a friend thing. Like, all my friends were so involved and a lot of them are my board members and they just knew I go to Guatemala all the time. Uh, my parents retired and live there. We have a farm there. So the farm is in a very rural area. And as we were driving down to the farm, um, I realized that these kids, they didn't, you know, they didn't, their school is just a concrete block. They didn't have access to many things. Um, they didn't really have, you know, shoes or clean clothes. So uh, that's where the mission started. And I was like, you know what? There's so many charities in Guatemala, but they're not, they're in the locations that are a little bit safer. And this location is so remote. So I said, you know, I'm going to start it here. And then it expanded. And I started working with another phenomenal nonprofit called Mercado Global. And they hire indigenous Guatemalan women and they teach them how to weave, start their own bank accounts, um, leave domestic partners and start, you know, saving for their future. So it's kind of like, it allowed me to go into a much bigger pool in Guatemala. And I just love it. I just, I love everything about it. And it just makes me feel right. Um, and Guatemala is so grounding for me. Like that is, that is my grounding space. So um, it really started with, I guess my childhood. And I just wanted to make sure it came full circle. That's incredible. Where, where can people go if they want to learn more or support the charity? Is there a website for it or do they go yeah. to your website? So the charity is called uh, 3gscharity.com. Um, and then my website is trishbarillis.com. 
Uh, we don't have an Instagram for the charity. I do an event. I do one event every year. We didn't do one for pandemic, but our next event will be in 2022. That's incredible. And I've heard similar sentiments. Uh, one of my best friends went down to Guatemala for years. He was doing a lot of volunteering in hospitals there. Uh, he's a pre-med student. And, you know, he shared the same, you know, kind of thing of how, how poverty stricken it is down there and how it's just a completely, it's like a completely different world. And uh, he connected me with, uh, who's now my private Spanish tutor as I learn Spanish. So shout out to Letty. If anyone's looking for a great Spanish teacher, she's based in Antigua. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's really cool. Uh, I'll definitely link that up in the show notes. Uh, so thank you for everything today, Trish. We covered some awesome topics. I encourage everyone to check out Trish's book, A Face of Anxiety, uh, which is an easy read, less than a hundred pages and really meant for sufferers to feel seen, feel heard. Um, and, they could get it. You could get that on Amazon, uh, Kindle, iBooks. Uh, and where's the best place for people to connect with you, Trish, if they want to learn more about your work? So I do a lot on my Instagram page. So I do have the A Face of Anxiety, which you could read on Instagram as like Cliff Notes. And then my regular page is T Barillis. And I do lots of you know, coaching tips, anxiety tips, breakup tips. And then that, and then you can click on the link tree and it'll give you my website if you're looking to be coach, etc. So that would be the best place. Amazing. Well, thanks for coming on. This was awesome, Trish. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you found it helpful, please share it along to anyone else you believe it can serve. You can find the show notes and resources we discussed at ryankennedyshow.com. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review for the show. Your feedback helps to support me on my mission to positively impact as many people as possible with this information. Much love, everyone.